0: Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Reach. This is your host Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, and I have uh, lucky number three, third, third times the charm. Julia Kihano back with us today for her third Reach podcast. We are delighted to have you again. Welcome. Good morning.
1: Good morning. I'm so excited to dig in today.
0: Me too. As I mentioned, this is Julia's third time on our program, and believe it or not, we've still got things to talk about, and more importantly, we still have things that we can learn from Julia. Today's topic on goal setting is not only requested by some of our listeners, but it's also a really timely one, given that we are at the top of a new year, and uh, hopefully that means that you're full of inspiration and motivation to achieve some great things this year. Today, we'll be discussing some of the material that we cover in our Becoming a Chief of Staff e-learning course. Um, and specifically, the content is that we'll be talking about today is how to apply the SMART Goals framework to your work as an executive assistant. So if you've been contemplating investing in the course, this episode may give you that additional motivation to officially sign up. As a quick refresher, Julia is a former executive assistant turned chief of staff who currently runs her own executive development firm where she works with startup leaders across various industries. Her other Reach episodes have included what it means to be a chief of staff, as well as how executives have also been affected by the great resignation. So if you're not already familiar with those, I encourage you to check them out. To get us going, I thought that we could talk about, um, in particular, what it is that you most uh, appreciate and like about the SMART goals framework. There's obviously no shortage of goal-setting methodologies out there or ideologies. So we'd love to understand, well, first of all, what is the SMART goals framework? We should start with that. Hmm. But in particular, what it is in your mind that sets it apart from other frameworks?
1: Um, So SMART goals, um, SMART is the acronym, and it stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So it's really, you know, the acronym to help you um, think about all the components that need to be in a really SMART goal as you set goals or or really leverage any framework. Um, I actually learned about this framework when I was in grad school. So I was in my uh, master's program for counseling psychology and first came across this framework as we were doing treatment planning for psychotherapy practice. And it was really great concrete way to put simple but measurable goals for what we, me and a client, wanted to achieve in our work together. Um, So kind of came at me from a completely different industry, but definitely one that I have found incredibly valuable all throughout my work in tech and venture capital and and still to this day. Um, And the thing that I really love about SMART goals is, Jessica, kind of exactly what you said. There are so many goal planning frameworks out there, especially in the startup world. You know, we have OKRs. Um, from Google, V2 Mom, from from Salesforce. I actually last year learned of a new one called EOS, which is the entrepreneur operating system that's often used by, you know, small entrepreneur, entrepreneurial teams. Um, so there's no shortage of frameworks out there. I really double down on SMART goals because I think about it almost like Latin, right? If we think about Latin being, you know, the root, uh, the root, behind all languages, that's really how I think about SMART goals. If you know SMART goals, you can actually, it, it makes you multilingual across all the other goal planning frameworks that you might encounter in a different organization or industry. Goal planning frameworks can actually be very dogmatic and um, and and you, you can have very... Um, opinionated and sometimes even controversial conversations about what the best or most popular goal planning framework is. Um, And it could be really hard for people to think about how similar they are and instead really double down on why one is, you know, and take OKRs versus Mm -hmm. V2MOM, that's Mm -hmm. Google, versus mm-hmm. Salesforce your salesforcers are not going to like OKRs very much and they're actually when they go on to um, you know potentially even start other companies they they take the V2MOM framework with them because it's what they know and it's mm-hmm. what they've seen work well so with smart goals and I'll repeat the acronym again because it's such simple language you know when we think about smart we Need a goal to be specific. It needs to be something that is measurable, either you know binary, like yes/no, did we achieve it, or or quantitative, right? A uh, uh, you know certain percentage improvement of a goal. Um, it also has to be attainable. Is this some you know out of this world goal that we're setting for ourselves? Or is it pretty low-hanging fruit that we're going to do anyway? It needs to be something that's actually within reach, and honestly, like maybe a little bit of a stretch too. It's it's finding mm-hmm. that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be relevant. You know, if we set a goal that has nothing to do with what we're actually trying to accomplish, then it's maybe just a waste of space. And then finally, this time-bound piece: what's the deadline? How long do we have to actually achieve that goal? And I love the simple language of SMART because if you're familiar with OKRs, objectives and key results, you have to really learn what an objective is, how to write an objective, what a key result is, how to write them, how they connect, how it cascades down. V2MOM is, um, and for those of you who are not familiar with V2MOM, that also is an acronym that stands for Vision, Values, Methods obstacles and measures mm-hmm. it it really takes a lot of training to understand how to use that framework so it's not the most intuitive even mm-hmm. though there's probably more similarity between all these frameworks than not
0: yeah i I think that's Definitely, something that stands out in my head as I'm hearing these different uh, methodologies elaborated on is that if it's not if it's not intuitive, and if and if it takes you a lot of effort just to even debunk what the acronym stands for, it seems like a challenge to think about how you would um, effectively employ that in in the execution of your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, OKRs, of course, famously um, introduced by John Doerr. Um, he has a whole book about them called Measure What Matters. Um, and it's not to say that they're not a, a useful um, framework. Obviously, they, they are. But I, I think that it, what's interesting about the SMART um, framework, just in my mind, is the fact that it does have this... Um, attainable element and also this timeliness right because you mm-hmm. can set a goal but i think what makes the smart framework interesting is that it forces you to define a time frame and mm-hmm. you know it's one thing to say i will train to climb mount everest it's another thing to say. I will. Cl- I will train to climb Mount Everest by the end of Q3 2023. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it sets a whole different, very different. Rise a very different, <laughs> very different thing. I, I think about that. I'm like, oh my god, I'm already behind schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so it, it really does activate. Uh, it really does activate you in in a way that I think some of these things that don't make it as explicit mm-hmm. um, let you slide a little bit more. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really interesting to hear you. Break that down. Um, you know, I, I also think about things like uh, the SWOT analysis, um, mm. which is not really necessarily a goal framing uh, framework, but it is a way of observing challenges and thinking through you know, potential solutions in the way that the V2 mom talks about obstacles and things like that. Um, SWOT, of course, is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, it, you know, you kind of work through the quadrants to think about those different things and, and how you might uh, compose a solution based upon all of the different quadrants. So, yeah, good, good to hear that broken down in that way. Can, can you give us an example when we're using the SMART framework, of what, for instance, would be an example of a poorly formed or articulated goal versus when you actually apply the SMART framework, how that changes the articulation of that goal.
1: hmm Yeah. And I'll say, you know, the the best goals are kind of like, you know, Goldilocks. they're They're just right. When I've seen a SMART goal kind of written Poorly, um, it's usually either too vague or w- overly detailed, over-engineered on on you know what smart actually is is asking you to put down. So when you think about something that's you know really vague or, or overly detailed, and I'll take the example of like okay, you 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 on your team, um, you need to or the company needs to hire engineers, right? You have a big um, product roadmap to deliver on. You need to hire engineers. Um, so you know, a, a really vague goal would be to you know hire senior engineers to drive Q2 product goals. Right? There's okay. Well, there's there's probably more questions that you have from that than than clarity. Um, on the other end, you know, you could say like, oh, we need to hire four senior engineers. Great. But you're also missing like, okay, what's the time bound piece? Um, you know, how is it relevant? You're you're missing a couple of those letters in, in SMART. Something that's kind of both just right and, and covers all your bases is something like, you know, hire four senior engineers in Q1 to drive key product goals, right? You don't have to go Deep into what those product goals are. You don't even have to talk about when the product goals need to get delivered. But the goal itself that you're talking about is hiring engineers by Q1, you need four of them, they need to be senior engineers, and it's relevant to, you know, some other other um, product milestones down the road.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's attainable. And, and it's attainable. And that's where you – yeah, exactly. And that's where you reflect and you say, okay, is four realistic for this team mm-hmm. in, our, in our hiring capacity and mm-hmm. the environment that we're in and everything else. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of how you yourself have applied this, this framework, um, specifically when you were working first as an executive assistant and then also as a chief of staff? And in what scenarios did you find this helpful?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, truthfully, I still use it today in, in my practice as a leadership coach. This is something that is, you know, I keep very close in my back pocket and, and um, I find very helpful and relevant um, today. And, and, and for the same reasons why, you know, it was so helpful in my role as a chief of staff and an EA. Um, you know, I work with, as you mentioned, I work with, with leaders and and full leadership teams, and sometimes um, some of the ways that I work with with teams is facilitating um, planning offsites. You know, whether that is planning for a quarter or or annual planning across a company, or even just within a particular um, function or team. And smart goals really help me. Understand where the gaps are in the plan that they've put in place. So I kind of do the SMART acronym through my head. If you know the if the team is really bringing together um, ideas and initiatives and and thinking about those metrics, but you know the timeline on that is is loose or we haven't totally cracked how it's relevant, I you know make sure that I'm facilitating and guiding a team. Through to think through all of the the letters of the acronym, um, and and sometimes I don't even share that I'm using SMART, but just to have it in my brain mm-hmm. is is helpful to guide them to a really solid place where they, as a group, have clarity, they have alignment, and and we know that we've kind of arrived at something concrete. So you know. It, it wasn't just in my EA and, and chief of staff role that this was, was useful. This is absolutely something that I continue to use every single day with clients. Um, but as a chief of staff, uh, kind of similar to to what I was speaking of earlier, I jumped into, you know, for, for those who, who don't know um, my background, I started my career out at Salesforce. So I started my career out really only knowing, uh, the V2 mom framework. And, you know, when I went to grad school, um, at the end of my, my tenure at Salesforce, that's when I learned smart goals. So, you know, having that overlap there is really able to leverage, um, smart to, to be the thing that kind of, uh, was allowed me to separate myself from V2 mom, which is a fantastic framework if you know it. Um, so when I jumped in uh, to a series at the time, it was Series A startup in Silicon Valley as chief of staff. We didn't really have goals. We didn't. We were doing a lot of great work, but we didn't totally know um, what everybody else was working on. You know, we 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 weren't quite sure how the left hand or what the what the left hand was doing versus the right hand, and we needed something to bring us all together and, and allow us to work in the same direction. Um, but there was a lot of different perspectives on what framework we should use. The CEO at the time was kind had, a, had an aversion to any popular framework. Um, we had other executives who were very familiar with OKRs and wanted those implemented. You know, I knew V2Mom really well. So we actually, I leveraged the SMART goal framework to translate and customize and almost create a new framework, not one that, you know, we have to write a book about and brand, but something that gave us shared language among our team to just set some goals that were measurable attainable, all, you know, all, all the SMART acronyms. So for me, at a company level, the framework really allowed me in my chief of staff role to satisfy everybody else's strong opinions about what framework we needed to use to really customize and tailor something that fit who we are as a team and a, and a culture um, and the different experiences and backgrounds people had leveraging frameworks. Mm-hmm. In my role as an EA, um, you know, I, I had much less um, influence on kind of the the broader company level, even you know within our department, and was able when I learned the smart framework towards the last couple of years of my my time at Salesforce as an EA, I was able to really apply the smart framework to. Um, to scope projects, to, um, to, to kind of write out and align and measure some of even the events that I was, um, putting on, whether it was an offsite, an internal offsite, or, or an external, um, event in, in conjunction with the sales team. So, you know, today I still do it at, you know, very much a strategic company planning, um, uh, lens. Um, but as an EA, I was able to get even more nitty gritty into specific initiatives, specific projects, events that ladder up into some of those broader company initiatives.
0: So I, I think what would be interesting to to hear you maybe go a, a level of, of abstraction even um, deeper would be to maybe understand, you know, once you have used your framework, let's say it's a smart framework, and mm-hmm. you've used it to in this case, maybe it was, you know, planning an SKO, right? And mm-hmm. and you used this framework in your role as an executive assistant to help you formulate your intention and goal around planning an amazing SKO. From that point, how do you, how does that inform then the actions and the steps that you take if we're, if, we're, if we're saying that the SMART goal is the first step in really kind of crystallizing the vision and the objective, how then does do the actions flow from there?
1: Hmm. Um, that's a really good question. And, and I think it's important to note that as much as I love goal planning and I love writing goals down very clearly writing them down isn't enough. It doesn't make them come to life. It doesn't make mm-hmm. it so, right? It, exactly. It, it, I have a it. lot of goals. <laughs> a lot of goals. They just sit on that cute piece of paper and yep, collect some dust. Really well
0: articulated too. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, you know, this is something that, and I know we're, we're thinking about this in the context of, you know, our, our roles and and, and professional environment and companies. But, you know, think about this as in the framework of or through the lens of your, your New Year's resolutions, right? Like you can absolutely apply smart goals to, you know, what were the goals that maybe you set for yourself personally at the beginning of the year? Are they articulated in, you know, uh, um, aligned to the smart acronym? And, you know, now I encourage you to do a little look back at how, how you've um, progressed on those goals, which is a really great real world example of, yeah, sometimes writing them down, is not enough? And it's about like, coming back to the organizational level, these goals then need to be communicated, right? So um, for, for those of you who are involved or have exposure into internal comms and and how those internal communications are are, um, sequenced throughout the organization, right? Like you you don't want to communicate goals before they're actually baked or syndicated with the the rest of um, the team, right? So being mindful about how they're communicated. How are they cascaded down, right? Often one of the things that I think about, I will set goals with a leadership team. And that's great. They're clear on them. But how are those kind of overarching SMART goals then cascaded down and broken down into kind of smaller SMART goals for other layers of the organization that contribute to that leadership level overarching goal? And then, and this is, you know, the the hairiest part really is then how do you operationalize those goals? How do you actually organize yourselves to do the work to meet those goals and have kind of the right governance in place to check and inspect and make sure that the work is progressing and then what you're, when you're at the very end of that, you know, time bound, at the end of that deadline you set for yourselves, can you then use those goals to do a look back of, you know, did we pile too much on ourselves? Was this really attainable? Was it really relevant? Did we move the needle on that? And then that look back really informs the smart goals that you set for, call it the quarter ahead or the year ahead. So it's, you know, there, there are many more components that you really need to look through after you write these beautiful goals down, and and kind of coming back to touch on that governance piece. You know, make checking back on the progress is both to is both to say, you know, are we moving the needle? You know, especially if you set a big quarterly goal, are we moving the needle week over week, month over month? But then, you know, making sure there's also some room to adjust. You may have set a goal in the beginning of the quarter, at the beginning of the quarter, but by no means is that set in stone if it's not working or if it's creating other symptoms in the organization or, you know, if it's causing more of a distraction to the actual work needing to be done or if you got it wrong, you need to be able to adjust those things along the way so that it just makes sense for your team, your company, your organization.
0: It's one thing to have this crisp goal, but the next step is operationalizing it and breaking that goal down into Mm sub-goals and really exploring what are all of the smaller mechanics and components that are going to coalesce in the achievement of this goal and I think that's in and of itself a, a really uh, I mean that might just be podcast episode four Julia yeah. <laughs> so right. just go I, ahead yeah. <laughs> and you know could clear some space for the, oh. on the calendar but I, I think there's something there's really something to that uh you know you are somebody that we've obviously done a lot of things together and a lot of projects and a lot We've we've faced many deadlines together, right. and you're somebody who has what I would consider to be flawless execution and accountability. Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think that there's there's a lot to unpack there in terms of how you all, – all of the micro steps that mm. someone is taking to – culminate in the achievement of these bigger things. So I, I think that's something really interesting to explore in, in terms of how you have ab- abstract um, from, from the big goal and, and break it down. Mm-hmm. So we, we may have to revisit that in, in more depth. Oh,
1: happy um, to. it's a complicated yeah.
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And, and, and again, like I think with all of these things, it's not, there's no definitive, one way to do anything, and that's why I think it's it's nice to hear perspectives on what works for some people. And ultimately, you have to find the thing that works for you. Um, but just hearing examples of people who are successful, who who are able to, uh, you know, adhere to these things and and achieve some really big things, I think it's really informative for our listeners to hear from someone like yourself about how you actually. Um, Execute. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. number four and yes,
1: definitely, definitely number four. But it also actually, and if my memory serves me correctly, you know, this is actually something that we touched on in our very, very first podcast together. When I think I shared as a chief of staff, I actually attempted to roll out OKRs, and it didn't go very well. Actually, and and we needed to then customize it, Um, and you know. Both having the examples of what works well is great, but also having the experience of what really didn't work so that we could adjust and improve is something that, you know, if if rolling out OKRs in an organization that really was not going to adopt them um, because of the culture and the experiences and and, you know, a, a whole host of reasons, I don't know that I would... Actually be as successful as I am in my practice today, leading leaders and, and leadership teams through goal planning if i had if I had only seen what works great and not have um, some experience of it really not working well
0: mm. that's that's very interesting yeah I, there's a lot of contextual you know there's there's a lot of context that you have to consider with with all of these frameworks, mm-hmm. and that's a good point for that mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a nice segue to, you know, what are the limitations in your mind of when this type of framework is useful, or, you know, conversely, situations where maybe it's not the best way of thinking about a goal, or where it, you know, it, it works better or poorer than other options.
1: hmm. I mean, I think we've definitely just touched on on one of them, which is, you know, whether it's this framework or any framework, if you make the assumption that following the framework and just having it documented is a, you know, a a job well done, then you are missing um, honestly maybe the majority of the, of the work and some of the hardest parts of the work. So knowing that there's uh, many, many more steps that come after, documenting and circulating these is um, is is just something to be mindful of when when you're choosing any framework and you know and, and I think we've touched on on this a little bit as well your your framework and I I've, I've heard this from from many leaders that I work with actually which is you know oh google does okrs and they've you know, been, been so successful, we want to be like Google. So we're going to, you know, put on the suit that Google has so that we can, uh, and assume that it's going to get us that success. Mm. Um, you know, these are tools, they're not magic bullets. And, and it really is so important to, to leverage any tool, whether it's, you know, a system like, um, you know your your CRM system or your your marketing platform or a goal planning framework, um, and and making sure you also do the upfront work to get buy in, to do some training and enablement to make sure people understand you know what the process looks like ahead and what's required of them. And that upfront work that you need to do before you actually even get into rolling out a particular framework to then do all the hard work is going to be a really critical piece that gets you the ultimately the adoption that you want and the the sustainability and scalability that you want of a framework like this throughout you know the the lifespan of a company if it makes sense. So when you think about um, some of that upfront work. It's really important to, and and I'll, I'll just caveat this with saying, this is why I'm really bullish on not doubling down on any one framework. And why SMART goals is the foundation that allows you to translate and be multilingual is you are able to, you know, adjust, tweak, customize based on the feedback or the, impa- the input that you're getting in that buy-in stage that's so critical so you know these the some of the limitations around these frameworks are assuming that they're going to do all the work for you and forgetting how much you need um you need your team on board and you need to kind of hold it together for a while afterwards to make sure it sticks you know one really great example is i actually um one of our one of our Maven coaching clients um, was mm. sharing with me that her CEO, uh, you know, former former Salesforce, had actually a really um, uh, had had a lot of challenges with the V two Mom framework. Went off to start his own company, ditched the V two Mom framework altogether, and really adopted OKRs and had a has a very, very strong point of view of how OKRs are the thing that everybody has to use. And that's a top-down decision that you, as a a strategic partner in an organization, really need to be mindful that there are going to be some opinions that no matter how much kind of pre-work and buy-in and syndication you do before rolling out a framework, you have to make sure you're not kind of forcing a, a... square peg into a round hole and you're listening to the opinions and, and sometimes, um, you know, the, the dogmatic, um, perspective that folks do have around frameworks so that you can adjust into those instead of, you know, trying to, trying to turn a ship quickly, if you will.
0: hmm hmm Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's, kind of another natural question that I had in my head of, well, what if you are in an organization and this could certainly apply to many of our listeners where they have, uh, you've used the word dogmatic. So, you know, maybe their organization has this dogma around, well, we like the OKR format and everything that they talk about as an organization is communicated through OKRs. That's, you know, that they, they, um, they relate everything to that and and progress toward or progress away from those. So in situations where the organization has declared that this is how they want to communicate and this is their methodology, is it still possible and is there still space to utilize something like a smart framework to maybe complement those, um, complement the company uh, OKRs or just on an individual level, like how, I guess, how can you marry those systems if you're in a situation like that?
1: Mm-hmm. And this is where it's such a good question, because I think this is this scenario where either you come into the organization, and there's already a framework put, put to use, or very strong opinions about what framework um, the the team is going to use. This is where, um, and, and we teach the smart framework in our our online course, um, because it it enables you to be the translator. So, you know, for those of you who are familiar with OKRs, you know, OKR stands for objectives and, and key results. Objectives are actually kind of just the smart, relevant piece of smart goals. Key results are the attainable, measurable, time bound piece of, of the SMART goals. Similar to V2MOM, you know, methods are actually just objectives, which are actually just specific and relevant pieces of a SMART goal. Similar to, you know, the measures piece in V2MOM, you know, that's your, that's your key results. So if you and, and and that's helpful not just for you to understand how to break down all of these other frameworks but you know say you are working with a team and and I'll just keep picking on okrs and v2 moms for a second but <laughs> say say and and those are um those are you know clearly the most popular and i'm actually shocked to see so many new articles coming out around v2 mom um because okrs have have really, Taken the popularity contest for a long time, but you know, let's say you are in an organization and you know you have you you have to you you have people coming with strong opinions about V two mom or OKRs, and you have to pick one or the other. Knowing the SMART goal framework and knowing how the SMART goal framework is. Actually, just a different version of OKRs or V two moms can help you get the other side of the table on board with whatever framework you go with because you've done the translation. Um, you know, if if everybody decides to go with with OKRs, you're able to look at the OKRs documented or even you know help a leader or help your executive write out OKRs in a way that they have been used to writing out, you know, the V2 mom. And you could really help um, enable and translate that so that at the end of the day, everybody's on the same page and everybody's working from a shared language.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the piece is, there is a translational element that needs to happen and having having a common language. So even if in your brain, it's easier to order things in one framework or another, it's also important to know how to translate that. And I think you did that really nicely in relating how the different acronyms actually kind of intertwine with one another. Yes, they have a different nomenclature, but by and large, they're... Um, they're talking about similar things, mm-hmm. so I think that's important that people actually understand those different perspectives so they can make that they can translate as you said mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think the thing too to remember is that with all of these things, and we've talked about this that it's not just about the goal, it's about how you operationalize the goal, and mm-hmm. I think that that's the really key thing is that the idea is not to record the goal and then tuck it away in a notebook that you put on a shelf. And and then say a year later, oh yeah, about that goal. I, I mean, I think the the whole point is that these goals should be revisited constantly and often, mm-hmm. and that you're you're constantly reflecting on, okay, how are my actions and where I'm spending my time? How is that aligning to what I've said I need I need to focus on and what my objectives are. And bearing in mind that you may have many SMART goals that Mm -hmm. you're working toward at any given time simultaneously. Or there may be SMART goals for this quarter, and then those are accomplished, and then there's a whole new set of other SMART goals. Mm -hmm. So I I think that the key here is revisit often. And I think that, you know, even in in the in the context of one-on-one conversations, right? If you're a leader who is leading people and you have people that are reporting into you, this could be useful framework for how to structure those one-on-one conversations of, okay, checking in on how we are with this, um, you know, how are you moving the needle on on this goal? And that can become the framing that helps you have a more productive conversation or vice versa. If you're an executive assistant and you're having a one-on-one with your executive, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you're looking at the goals that you set with your executive, um, that can be useful for, okay, what are the um bottlenecks or what things do you need to identify and work through as a as a partnership to move <laughs> things along so i i think revisiting is really key here it reminds me of you know like you buy the peloton right and <laughs> you put it in your where did you put it, Jessica? <laughs> yeah, right. I I'm actually not a Peloton version. I do have a bike. It's not mm. a Peloton, um, but nevertheless, right? It's it's it, how often do you revisit it? And if you get it and you tuck it away and you're done, you close the door and you never go back to it. It's not really gonna. You're not operationalizing that. You're not. You're not gonna see the effects, right? Yeah. So I think that's just a really important thing to remember. That I think oftentimes people get really caught up in the Kind of um, romanticizing the goal setting process, and it's it all sounds really lofty and and wonderful, but but they might fail in actually operationalizing that effectively. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes with just keeping them in front of you and revisiting them.
1: Yeah, and I love how you actually gave the example of of one on ones as a way to revisit. I am actually a really massive fan of meetings, not, you know, meetings for the sake of meetings, but meetings in a particular cadence as a forcing function to revisit these things. So if you're just having a meeting because y'all think you should get together and talk about some stuff, all right, we'll see how productive that is. But if you set up something like, you know, I just rolled out with a client a new a new format for their weekly leadership meeting and how they look at kind of higher level company goals once a week. And then on a monthly basis, we're rotating across departments, more detailed operational reviews to look at all of the specific goals they set in the beginning of the quarter. And every single month, we're doing a deep dive on those to either adjust or strategically discuss and unblock or, you know, just know that they're on track and, and, you know, all trains are moving in the right direction. So, you know, whether, whether your organization is, you know, async or you, you do leverage meetings a lot, having these goals and operationalizing them through a forcing function of getting the right folks together at the right time with the right frequency to look back and revisit these is really such the cornerstone of operationalizing good goals.
0: Hmm. I want to spend some time thinking about that in terms Mm -hmm. of how our own leadership meetings function, how our own status meetings function, how we, you know, come up with talking points and agenda items for those meetings. I think that's, there's a lot, There's a lot in that statement to really unpack and reflect on. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: know so many of our listeners, be them executive assistants or operations uh, people or chiefs of staff, I mean, that's so much of what you're responsible for is meeting planning, agenda setting, uh, coming up with productive formats for these things. So I I think there's a lot there to really uh, contemplate in terms of if we're all really using that time to the best of our ability.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, yeah. you know, it it begs the question, if the time you're spending and the topics that you're talking about in those meetings are divorced from or separate from the big, relevant, critical goals that you set at, you know, whatever time box, then what was the point of setting those goals or are those the right goals if on you know a weekly basis or when you do have the leadership team together you're talking about something completely different from the goals that you initially set mm-hmm. that's you know a good indicator that maybe there's not alignment there
0: so julia you've mm-hmm. now facilitated several maven uh, group coaching sessions. You've also I done have. several. And you sure have. It's been so fun. <laughs> it's great. 2022 was our year that we rolled this out, and we went for it, didn't oh, yes, we? Yes, we
1: did. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. we did.
0: Yeah, it was great, and I'm excited to to be able to launch um, more of those sessions with 2023, and and also some some additional content that uh, you and I and Haley are uh, deeply in the works on anyway. Um, But I wanted to, to get your thoughts. You've, you know, you've, you've facilitated several of these um, both on a group session level and also on an individual coaching level. So if our listeners are interested in diving deeper into this topic of goal setting, what can they expect to get out of becoming a chief of staff course or uh, the actual coaching sessions that would maybe be um, different from or deeper from what we've covered today in our in our conversation.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, you know, we've really designed the three different programs, the course, the groups, and and individual coaching, um, truly with some slightly different objectives and and you know different layers of depth, if you will. So. You know, the course, as I mentioned, we, we teach this SMART framework in our online course. Um, and, and what you can get out of the entire course is, you know, not just this framework, but all kind of the high-level concepts that um, are common among the chief of staff or strategic partner role and how you can leverage these different concepts as, as tools that that really um, connect to each other. They're not just kind of isolated tools in a basket, um, but really you know, connecting them all to, um, to, to multiply the impact that you can have in an organization. So we give you the key concepts, we give you some good concrete examples, and then we also give you a lot of good places to, to practice some of the things, um, practice and reflect some of the things that, that we're talking about kind of more holistically. Um, and then on our, on our coaching side, our group and an individual are actually very different. Um, one of the things that I've just had so much fun um, when I facilitate our, our group sessions is we're bringing together so many great folks who you know we can talk about how to apply some of these concepts that we've talked about in the group or uh, I'm sorry, in the course, but we also get to surface a lot of the themes or challenges that this particular group um, is experiencing and really get to kind of foster that shared wisdom and best practices and ideas. You know, earlier, earlier in our discussion, we talked about how, you know, learning what, learning and knowing what success looks like is just as, important and valuable as, you know, having some mistakes and learning from those along the way. So to get, you know, more folks together beyond just me to share their own experiences really just enriches the discussion and, and takeaways of the group. And then with individual, you know, we we dive even deeper to really help you apply. And, and even, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about operationalizing. I really am there as your partner to help think through how you might apply and operationalize some of these concepts or navigate the obstacles and blockers that you're facing in your role that's very very specific and tailored to you your relationships your executive the, the culture of the organization etc so you get a lot of different support in a lot of different ways depending on kind of where you are and and what you're looking for um, but certainly you know this, This SMART framework is a piece of that and so, so, so much more. And
0: we have examples of people that have done some of the program and we have examples of people that have done literally every single piece of the program. So I I think that underscores your point that they really are sort of standalone in their value. Uh, and in what they offer and provide. So, you know, some people may be satisfied with just taking the course. And that's, that's what they need. And that gives them the boost that they're looking for. And that's fantastic. Um, and we've also had examples of people that have done the course, the group coaching, and and then have signed up for individual coaching with you. So I think it's what's nice is that it's all very layered and um, it really does give you the, the opportunity to kind of think about how deep you want to get with the material, mm-hmm. and, and also also just with you as um, as a facilitator and as an advisor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, it's it's really there to you know meet you where you are, and not yeah. you know and 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 support you along the journey as you grow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super. Well, I liked this discussion. It so I, it's always yeah, fun. To, I don't it's know always fun. Saying. Yeah, I, I always enjoy our conversations. But I, I think there's a lot that I, I definitely want to take away from this. Just in, as I mentioned, you know, reflecting on our own organizational um, meeting structures and flows mm. and just how we actually, to use your word, operationalize these things throughout the entire year of you know of, of, of meetings and discussions so mm-hmm. I'm definitely want to want to reflect on that piece
1: yeah. well but, if you want um, a sounding board Jessica you know yeah. you know where to find me <laughs> that's
0: your number <laughs> that's for sure great well thank you so much as always for being such a uh, a thoughtful and um, just really informed um, guest and expert. Uh, We really, really love having you being a part of our community and um, really love and value your partnership. So thank you again for, for sharing with us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.